Hello, hello. Welcome to the Hey, Okay, Ha, Happy Hour. Uh, I am your host, Epi Stoddard. You can call me Matt. You can call me Matthew. You can call me Slovakian Jew motherfucker. What? Uh, you ever have an insult thrown in your direction that is so random and confusing that it just sticks with you for years after? That's my example. Slovak Somebody called me a Slovakian Jew motherfucker. Yeah, this is in college. You know, you had a kager, right? That's what they call it. You're drinking beer. Everybody's already kind of a douchebag already You're in college. And then you add alcohol on top of it. Start arguing with some frat fuck. And what's his go-to insult to yours truly? I'll, I'll never forget it. He looked me right in the eye. He looked confused like he was searching for words. Slovakian Jew motherfucker. It was so weird, it almost like diffused the situation. Uh, I was I was confused, you know. I, I, uh, I don't like the racism, but just never never kind of expected it to come come in that direction because it was you know a little bit inaccurate. I'm not a, never been to Slovakia, have no Slovakian folks in my in my lineage to my knowledge. Uh, I'm not a practitioner of the Jewish faith. Um, I am not a member of the tribe to my knowledge. But I will fuck your mother. So I guess Slovakia Jew motherfucker. One out of three uh, isn't bad in the accuracy department. What the fuck am I talking about this for? How the hell did I get on this topic? Uh, oh, well, you can call me. Whatever. Call me whatever the fuck you want. Uh, we're going to get to the ads later, I think. Uh, we'll sneak them in at a later juncture. How about that? In the meantime, I'm drinking my coffee. What are you drinking? Hmm? Uh, drinking some water, or maybe you're drinking some uh, tea. Hmm. Maybe some. Uh, maybe a, a, a light beer. Maybe heavy beer. Or maybe you're smoking a big fat blunt. Hmm. Puffing that. Um. Man, I weed at a certain point. I don't know what decade it was. It was in the last, I'd say, fifteen years. Marijuana has gotten to the point where the quality is such, the potency is such that it's really hard to smoke a blunt. I mean, you really need like dozens of people to smoke a fucking blunt, right? I, even a joint. Remember the good old days you'd smoke a joint by yourself? None of that passing shit around, getting herpes. Just, just smoking a joint like it's a cigarette for your own pleasure. You could do that back in the day when the weed was... You know, five to twelve percent THC. Now it's just probably like forty percent. You take two puffs of that, it's over. Over. Um, just make sure it's legal in your state, guys. We we don't condone any law breaking here at the Hey Okay Ha Happy Hour. Laws are important. Laws are for your protection. Okay, so. Heed the law. Yes, I'm drinking coffee, and yes, I put a little cream in it, a little milk, a little dairy. All right, is that okay, yo queen, Joe Queen Phoenix? Hmm. They're taking the milk from the mother. It's supposed to go to the calf. Hey, listen here. A fucking Holstein cow can produce way more milk than that calf needs. There's an overabundance of lactating, what do you call it, lactose, what do you call it, milk, let's just call it milk, well, there's plenty of it, 
Let's end world hunger. You know whey protein? You ever look into whey protein? Hmm? Mr. Humanitarian, that will alleviate, that will get rid of world hunger. Whey protein alone could. Hmm? But you want to save the fucking cows and let people starve to death all over the world. I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I, I kind of get it. I'm pretending not to get it. He seemed genuine, right? The Yo Queen Phoenix on his veganism. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? In case you don't know what I'm talking about, at the, I think it was the Oscars. The guy who played the Joker gave the speech in which he called, you know, calling us out for being insensitive to the plight of animals. And it's like, which animals? Huh, Yo Queen? Which animals? Because I don't hear you saying shit about mice. Nobody says shit about rodents. Ever notice this? Why not? Why not? Because they're not cute. That's the only reason. Logically, they should be the first animal protected. If you look at in terms of empathy, in terms of their sensitivity, in terms of their intelligence, their, their sentience, for lack of a better word. I mean, there's a reason we study mice in laboratory settings when we want to get a handle on human behavior. They have a very similar reward system that we have built in. You know, mice fucking laugh. They laugh. They're ticklish and they laugh. The laughter is, is very high pitch. You need a fucking machine to hear it. But they fucking laugh. I know I'm repeating myself. I know I've talked about the hypocrisy of some of these animal rightists before. How they turn, they turn a blind eye to rodent genocide. And actively participate. There's right now a fucking animal rightist vegan setting a mousetrap. I guarantee you that. They're slipping that organic vegan peanut butter on that little trap. And they're setting it there so they can fucking put a little sentient rodent mammal in a torture chamber. You think mousetraps kill mice quick? They do not kill mice quick. I don't know if you've ever witnessed it. It's uh, it's pretty horrific if you're a, if you're a pussy like me. I witnessed a mouse, uh, it was, uh, I was living in New York after college, in a little Sunset Park, Brooklyn, little apartment there, had my computer desktop, I'm sitting at my desktop doing God knows what, uh, obviously wasn't jerking off, because it was so quiet, and I must have been just sitting there zoning out, because I was quiet enough for like 5-10 minutes in a row that a mouse snuck out, you know, mice, they don't hear shit, they probably have shitty eyesight, uh, so this mouse starts creeping along the wall. And I had a mouse trap set there and with the peanut butter on the little tripwire thing. The mouse, it took about a few seconds for that mouse to uh, set, set off the trap. And I'm telling you, that, that snapped that on that mouse's uh, torso, that shit didn't kill instantly. It just sat there with collapsed lungs, slowly breathing, like twitching and trying to move and get away. Not, not the death rattles, not the shaking nerve shit. I'm talking about the fucker knew that it was caught in something, had to get the fuck out, was trying to get out, and slowly died. It's horrible. You know, did, I, did it make me stop killing mice? No, it didn't. It didn't. I'm just saying, if I were ever to cross that bridge to become an animal rightist, I don't know why I would pick and choose which animals I give a fuck about and which ones I don't. You know what I mean? Just because they're ugly. That's the only fucking reason. Don't tell me they spread disease. How many times have you caught a cold from a mouse? How many people do you know? Show me the piles of bodies from people that got sick from f mice. You probably say, well, 
you got to go back to the bubonic. Is it the, what is it? The bubonic plague? It's like, no. There are so many variables that led to the bubonic plague. First of all, think about how filthy the people were living. How much shit and urine were just all over the streets. Nobody understood germs. There was no sewage system. European people in the Middle Ages were living in piss and shit. Just the, horses were the mode of transportation. Horses had to stop every, I don't know, 800 meters and take a shit. The streets just must, you probably didn't smell anything because you're just nose blind to all the feces, just a cesspool of bacteria and everything. People fucking without bathing, no condoms probably, or they're probably like lambskin. Nobody understood germs living like that. They got some nerve to blame the mice. <laughs> it's, all, it's all guesswork, blaming the fucking mice for that. I got a few other guesses of my own. I could have I could have called that. Look at how they're living. It's filthy. It was centuries of living like that that bolstered Europeans' immune system to the point where other folks would get into contact with the Europeans and they would drop dead. They would get sick because they weren't living like filthy pigs and didn't have <laughs> immune systems that, you know, could could stand up. You got to live in shit and piss for a few uh few centuries. Get those, uh, get that immune system up. Um, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I'm just rambling. Guys, that's what this podcast is, by the way. If you're new to this, I just talk into a fucking microphone without any uh, plan. And, you know, you may say, why would you waste your time doing that? To which I would say, well, why would you waste your time listening to me do that? Huh? Answer me that. <sighs> Sorry if this coffee drinking is annoying. But uh, it's gotta, gotta do something here. Gotta, gotta drink something, and I'm gonna not, not drink booze more than one night a week. I think one night a week of drinking a few beers, you can get away with that indefinitely. Um, it's that every night drinking over a period of decades that leads to that leathery, bloated, premature aging look that we all probably get anyway. <laughs> Let's blame the booze. Um, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Drinking my coffee. Coffee at a Wawa parking lot. If you're not on the East Coast, you might not know what a Wawa is. It's a, it's a gas station. Convenience store. Right. Is that a good enough visual for you? Mmm. Let's get to some, uh, let me read some fucking uh, copy here. One second. Mountain Mud Sunscreen is a biodegradable, reef-safe CBD-infused sunscreen made with organic food-grade ingredients using non-nanotized zinc oxide as the only active ingredient. No crazy chemicals in your pores. Each 2.5-ounce tin has 200 milligrams of CBD isolate and is based on an FDA-approved recipe. It is SPF 35, water-resistant for a minimum of 40 minutes and shelf-stable for two years. Check them out at mountainmudsunscreen.com. Again, that's mountainmudsunscreen.com. Also, Octane Inc., Oh, where's my copy? Let me find it. Octane Inc. specializes in vehicle wraps, snowmobile wraps, custom apparel, and race car lettering. With a deep history in motorsports and a love for anything fast, 
Octane Inc. has quickly become the Midwest's premier one-stop shop for anything uh, business logo related. You need to customize your uh, monogram. Maybe you got a mug. You want to have some wacky logo. I didn't write that. I shouldn't say that they do that. But you get the idea. If you go to OctaneIncLLC.com, you're going to see some pretty crazy designs. Some pretty sweet stuff. Again, uh, that's OctaneIncLLC.com. Or find them on any social media platform. Uh, you know how to spell ink, don't you? I'm not going to condescend to you and spell it out for you. Octane Inc. LLC, all one word, dot com. All right. Lastly, we're brought to you by Bob at GDIY Edible Kits. Oh, no. No ad copy. Um, where the fuck is it? But you remember Baba G with their DIY cannabis edible kits. Now, you got to provide your own cannabis, however you want to do it, but they'll provide you some candy mixer, some candy kits um, to have some uh, gummy edibles. Really, uh, really nice recipe they got going. Check them out at OregonBaba.com. Again, that's OregonBaba.com. Or if you're from Oregon, as they say, Oregon, OregonBaba.com. All right. And why don't you send me some more ad copy there, Baba G. Um, I liked, I appreciated you giving me shit on my pronunciation. Let's see what else you got. Let's see what else you got there. Why don't you take a few of your candy gummies, your edible gummies, and write some more wacky ad copy. Um, I'll find the last one. Maybe I'll read it next time. Blah, blah, blah. Back to the podcast. We gotta save the animals. Saving the animals. So we gotta, I don't know, let's take care of people first. Call me provincial, but humans first. Um, some of these animal rights, I'm like, where, do, where are you living where like every single human is taken care of that we can start worrying about cows? You know what I mean? I don't know. I think it's become real fashionable to hate human beings. <laughs> People hate humans. Have you noticed this? Like, humans are like, have the worst reputation right now as far as species. People put animals above humans. It's like, why? Animals are assholes. Animals have no ethics. They have no morals. They have no nothing. They just do what they're programmed to do. And what they're programmed to do is murder other animals. These are not, these are not role models. <laughs> these are not things that um, need our help. Uh, animals are fucking ruthless. They do not give a shit about anything. Your cat that you love, you think is your friend, if you choke on a fucking uh, gobstopper tomorrow and you drop dead, that fucker's gonna start eating you. Can you imagine have, uh, having a roommate or a friend like that? That if you if you died, you both kind of know that he's not gonna call the cops or the mortuary or the he's gonna just start eating you. You'd be like, this fucker is a psychopath. This person belongs in jail, in a cage, if you will. <laughs> Fucking animals, man. Where did this idea that animals are these altruistic? angel-like beings come from. We are that. Let's never forget that. Human beings, a little underrated. I'd say human beings at this point, pretty underrated. Humans are fucking awesome. Look at all the shit we get done. We get shit done when we, like, feel guilty about things. No animals ever feel guilty. 
you know, a dog might get sad if you yell at it, but it doesn't have like a fucking divine conscience. It's just a stupid fucking dog that we bred to, you know, act happy when we show up because it feeds our ego. Animals are fucking assholes and humans are, what's the worst you can say about humans, huh? The worst thing humans do is act like animals. <laughs> like occasionally we lower ourselves to the level of, uh, those other things that you, that you want to protect so much, right? What do humans do? We engage in murder. We engage in rape and fraud and slavery and genesis. There's a whole list of horrible, horrible atrocities throughout human history. Okay. That is true. Don't get me wrong. But what is also true is that is a small sliver of the total human experience, right? And also nobody, to my knowledge, accepts or condones genocide, murder, slavery, rape, fraud, theft, whatever. Pick the worst shit you can do. It's universally accepted that those are horrible, horrible things. So the worst, and by the way, who says that those things are bad? We do, right? We created this high standard, rightfully so, that probably has a deeper framework. Don't want to get too weird on you, but there's probably some other, you know, whatever. But there's definitely a moral standard that human beings hold themselves, ourselves to. The worst thing you can say about us is occasionally we fail to live up to our own standards. And if that's your case against humans, fair enough. You're right. We occasionally fail to live up to our own standards. But man, look, <laughs> you look at those animals, man. They got a long ways to go. I hate humans. Humans are the worst. I wish all you. Why can't they be more like my dog? I'm sorry we're not all genetically programmed to look at you like a god. <laughs> That's fucking nuts. If you expect everybody to treat you the same way your dog, dog treats you, you are an egocentric fuck. Okay? I hate humans. Humans are the worst. I hate. You hate humans? You hate all humans. Is that what you're saying? Not, not, I hate some kinds of humans. I hate people who do this. I hate people who do X, Y, Z. I just hate humans. Blanket statement. I hear that. It probably sounds like I'm fucking crazy, but I swear to God, you don't have to go more than 20 minutes on Twitter and you'll see something to that effect. It's like, you hate all humans? Well, nice to meet you too. I happen to be a human here. Um, like, is that okay with you? fucking ridiculous. In a way, it's like racism, but it's like the most general kind of racism. Suddenly it becomes okay. Suddenly it becomes okay to hate humanity. <laughs> like, who wants to party with somebody that hates humanity? Jesus Christ. Focusing on the negative. Like, we've also done a lot of great things too. Do you like art? Do you like literature? Do you like music, you negative fuck? Jesus, show me a fucking animal that's invented anything that brings you more comfort than, say, electricity. Show me a fucking beaver who can make you an automobile. There's so much shit you just take for granted. You think it's your goddamn birthright. Here's what, here's what happens. I think as organisms, we're, we're like designed to whatever environment we're born into, we think that's the default environment. And everything in that environment is just there provided, right? And we don't even care about how the hell it got there. Well, at a certain point of advanced 
you know, technology, we are born into structures that are very, very advanced that we just take for granted. Do you, you know how much thought goes in to designing a fucking shoe? <laughs> just pick a simple thing. Pick an, a simple item. Go to a convenience store, a gas station, and pick up, I don't know, a bag of golf tees. And think about who the hell designed the golf tee? Who got the fucking wood? How the hell do they manufacture it? How do they distribute? There's so much thought that goes into the littlest details that you fuckers just take for de- just take for granted. Just take for totally granted. Like I said, we're at the point now where you can get any luxury item. If you live in most cities, you can get most anything delivered to your fucking doorstep. And probably if you tipped them enough, they'd come right in and feed you into your fat fucking face. You don't have to do anything. You just lay back, right? And who made that possible? Birds? Huh? Whales? No, some fucking humans did. Yeah, everybody hates humans until they lose a human that's close to them. Suddenly that, that old fuck humans thing, they forget all about that. So humans, underrated. At me. Huh? At me. I'll take that position. You take the position of talking shit about your own species. I'll take the position of saying, hey, buck up there. Buck up there, you negative Nancy. All right. The soapbox is still, you know, it's rickety, but it's, it hasn't collapsed yet. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move it. I'm going to set this soapbox over here. All right, now that the soapbox is out of here, let's talk some basketball. Let's talk some basketball. Let's talk some basketball. Uh, Curtis Blow. By the way, have you ever listened to that song, the Curtis Blow basketball song? That song is so old, it doesn't even reference Michael Jordan. Like, it was written, Curtis Blow wrote that rap. I mean, that's old rap, right? You gotta be pretty old for a rap song to predate Michael Jordan. That shit must have been written in early 84. 83? When was that song written? Who the fuck knows? What's the point? Watch the old Rockets beat the shit out of the Celtics last night. I didn't beat the shit out of them, but they beat them. Beat them playing their little midget lineup. Uh, That's fun. I like what the Rockets are doing. Um, I love the idea of taking this small ball three-point centric style of play and pushing it to its logical conclusion and a confluence of events has given us just that i think this is one of the more interesting stories in sports right now is watching the houston rockets so dig this um their management and their coach have nothing to lose the coach is on the hot seat mike d'antoni who is a legendary Italian professional. He's not from Italy, but he played in the Italian pro leagues way back in the day, Uh, inspired a young Kobe Bryant. A little fun fact for you. Mike D'Antoni comes over to the U.S., coaches in the NBA, really changes the offensive way of thinking, really pushes uh, the pace with that Phoenix Suns team with Steve Nash, shot a lot of threes, and really the game, the NBA game has changed dramatically in the last 15 years. It's almost a new sport. So if you're interested in that kind of shit and just games and styles evolving, what the Rockets are doing right now is fascinating. So Mike D'Antoni has stated his one 
regret with the Phoenix Suns is not pushing the envelope far enough. I mean, they shot way more threes than any other team in the league at that time. But if you compare it to nowadays, they'll probably be at the bottom of the league as far as how many threes they put up. So his one regret is that they didn't push it far enough. Now, right now, for the last few years, the Rockets have been doing just that, pushing it pretty far. James Harden, um, if you're a non-hoop head, you probably know him as the bearded guy on the State Farm commercial. Right? Uh, he is a offensive master at... Uh, well, a couple things. First of all, he doesn't need a screener. You don't need to set a pick for him for him to get a high-quality shot off. So what he does, and some people say it's boring. There are people that don't. There's an anti-James Harden backlash from some basketball purists because they don't like It's not aesthetically pleasing, they would say, his game. But it's fucking brilliant. So what's James Harden going to do? He's going to get on an island. He's going to be ISO'd against you behind the three-point line, and he's going to dribble between his legs, right? He's probably going to have his his right foot forward. He's going to be dribbling between his legs, kind of lulling you, kind of hypnotizing you, a little back and forth, left, right, left, right, and then he'll do it quick, left, right, left, right, left, right, and he's kind of measuring what you're going to do. Are you going to guard the jumper, the step back, or are you going to guard him for the drive? If he gets the sense that you're guarding him for the drive, he'll fake the drive, Immediately step back, usually with his left foot. He's a left-hander, which throws guys off. And he'll, sh- he'll hit that old step-back three-pointer, which he hits just enough often, just often enough, I should say, that it makes it a statistically good shot. And if you, if you think he's going to do that, well, his counter is to drive right past you. And he's not blazingly fast, but he just understands your feet. He's going to attack your front foot. He's going to blow right by you. And... At that point, he's got a decision to make based on how the defense reacts. If you rotate over, the big man rotates over to take away his rim opportunity, he's going to throw a little lob there to, uh, for most of the season, Clint Capella or whoever else the big man is, is, uh, happens to be nearby. If you let him go, he'll take it right to the rim and do a layup or maybe a dunk. And if you don't really know what the fuck you're doing, he'll draw that foul. And he draws a lot of fouls. He goes to the free throw line often. Um, so anyway, Daryl Morey is the general manager of the Rockets. Now, I was shitting on Daryl Morrill. Morrill, I'm sorry, Morey. Uh, I was shitting on Daryl Morey this summer on this podcast for the whole Hong Kong tweet. He tweeted that support for Hong Kong, uh, which, nice sentiment, but you know, it's like, what are you doing? Like, you're in the comfort of your own office. You're putting your players at risk, and you're and they cost the NBA a whole lot of money. Pissed off China, a lot of players lost money. Blah blah blah. So Daryl Morey's on the hot seat. In other words, like, if the Rockets don't get shit done, he's out of a job. If the coach doesn't, if they don't win, the coach is out of the job. So suddenly you have these two very progressive-minded, push the envelope type of guys when it comes to changing how offense is played are on the hot seat. And so what are they going to do? They're going to double down on the small ball jack three-pointers up. They're going to it's and it's interesting. It's like a laboratory cuz it's not like we get this opportunity. Usually, even if you have crazy motherfuckers like this, they aren't on the hot seat and they're going to be kind of conservative cuz they want to keep their job. Now because they have nothing to lose, the Rockets recently have been playing lineups where there's not a single guy on the roster that's listed above six foot six. They're like, it's like the height of an NAI or a D3 team if you go by height alone. Okay? And on paper, 
you know, Charles Barkley had a pretty good point. You know, his his old well, guys like Charles Barkley, you know, old players, old school guys. Um, you know, they point out that yeah, you can win a game here and there, but in a series, in a playoff series, if you don't have size, you're going to get beat up on the boards. Um, you're going to get tired. You're going to get worn down, and uh, you're going to shoot your live by the three, die by the three. Now, and, and, and the naysayers will say, well, there's never been a precedent for this kind of style of play. Well, and so what? So what if there's no precedent? And there actually has been a precedent. I mean, they've been playing this style for the last two, three years. They're just going to ratchet it up a notch. If it worked by ratcheting up going from zero to 60, you know, if we ratchet up from 60 to 90, is it so inconceivable that we'll see even greater results? That we'll see greater offensive efficiency? Uh, they're going to give up some shit on the boards, but here's the thing. Nowadays in the NBA, nobody crashes the offensive boards anymore. Because Why? It's so important to get back on defense. If you crash the offensive board and, you know, nine times out of ten, the defense is going to get the board. Even if you do the best you can to crash that offensive board, nine times out of ten, the defense gets the board, and with these athletes, they're gone. You can't get back in time. The transition D isn't going to be there. So if you'll notice in the NBA, a lot of times the shot goes up. The offense just fucking gets their ass back on D. They're not crashing the boards. This is also why there you see a lot of big rebounding numbers from guards in the last few years, right? Nobody's crashing the boards. It's anybody's ball. Back in the day, everybody's crunched in the paint, right? And everybody's crashing the boards, right? And because of that, only the big guys are getting boards, like, back in the day, you'd have 25 rebounds per game just from your center and your power forward, right? There'd be power forward, maybe you get... There were some rebounding specialists like Dennis Rodman, but he'd get you 17 rebounds a game, right? The center might get another seven or eight rebounds. And your, your small forward get three rebounds, your, your shooting guard will get two, your point guard might get one or, or two rebounds. Nowadays, you see point guards getting 10 rebounds a game. Russell Westbrook's done it multiple times. Um, why? Nobody's crashed the offensive boards. Another factor is with more three-point shooting, the offensive rebounds are longer. The further away you shoot, the longer the rebounds tend to be. Um, but here's my point. With everybody getting back on D, and all of a sudden it's not important to have these big, ugly guys. Big uglies, as they call them. Uh, or is that football? Whatever the fuck the nickname is. You don't need big guys, traditionally, traditional big guys, to secure the defensive rebound. Because nobody's crashing the board anyway. So the rebounding stuff, what you're trading off, what you're gaining by going small and putting a premium on shooting is going to more than, more than make up for anything you lose on offensive boards, it would, it would seem. The other issue is, okay, well, if you go small, you're going to have a mismatch, and they're going to pick you apart and just abuse you down low. It's going to be mouse in the house, barbecue chicken. Whoever's the has the biggest mismatch, put them on the block and abuse these motherfuckers. Like, who's gonna guard Anthony Davis or Giannis? Right? That's a fair question. If you don't have a single guy over six six, you're gonna be giving up literally like what seven inches, six or seven inches, just in height. Well, here's the other thing that these analytics nerds have have discovered in recent years in the NBA when they when they crunch. Like, what is an efficient shot? Like, what is an efficient shot? What's not an efficient shot? It turns out the a post-up shot attempt is very inefficient, which to guys that played in the 80s and 90s sounds 
kind of ridiculous. In the 80s and 90s, it was all about get a guy in the post, Shaquille O'Neal, Hakeem Olajuwon. Michael Jordan was really a post player in that third, in that, that last three-peat run. Get a guy in the post, and that's where you're going to get your most efficient shot, right? And they're going to have to double, and then you kick it out, you get a better shot. So goes the theory. What we're finding out, though, is that po because a lot of it because the defensive rules have changed now that you can uh, double-team a post player, an offensive post player, quicker, that really disrupts post-move scoring. Hakeem could, he could be on an island and do his little dream shake. Nowadays, as long as you're not three seconds in the key, as a defender, you can sag down and really double-team that post player early, even before he gets the ball. You can double-team him as the pass is going towards him. So this has made the post shot a wildly inefficient shot. So what the Rockets are thinking is like, hey, we don't care. We're going to guard you with our short guys. And when we double down on you, you might hit the post shot 45% of the time, which is not a bad efficiency rate at all. But the math doesn't quite line up. If you shoot 45% from two, another team shooting 33% from three, they're getting more points per shot. Um, and that's really kind of a boring way to, to boil down a beautiful game, to, to raw mathematics like that. But, hey, these guys that are in the front office, that's their job. And they've come to this conclusion. There's a lot of naysayers out there. Um, but I think the Rockets might be onto something. If I was a betting man, I would take a look at uh, what the over-under is on Rockets' remaining wins, and I would take the over. Uh, I am not a betting man, though, because uh, that would be the end of me. Sports betting would be the end of me, and here's why. Um, I'm just stupid enough to lose everything, but yet just knowledgeable enough to bullshit myself into thinking that I could win. You know what I mean? Like, I know just enough that I'd be like, oh, yeah, I know this, and then, you know, I'm still stupid, so I'd lose. You know what I mean? I don't know if that makes sense. So I don't. But I'm telling you, take the over on the Rockets. Small ball, baby. Small ball's in. Well, you got to, I don't know if the, if, uh, uh, if you guys are into basketball or not, but you should get into it. It's interesting. It's a fun game. You know, football's great too. I just don't understand people that love football but they hate basketball. It's like, what, what do you? What do you? What, I understand if you're a hockey fan, it's hard to be a fan of both because they are at the same time of year. Uh, wrestling, I guess, too. There needs to be a, prof a real legitimate professional wrestling. I say. These wrestlers, right? These high school wrestlers, these college wrestlers. I guess there's MMA. Guys, I'm rambling. It's getting to that point. Must mean the coffee's getting down there. Oh, it's about, there's probably three gulps in here left. So why don't you finish your drink? Hmm? Why don't you finish your blunt joint, apple, whatever you're smoking out of, and we'll call this, we'll wrap it up. Call it a day. Call it a week. Uh, this has been the Hey, Okay, Ha. Happy hour. Uh, have yourself a good week. I'll see you next week. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Bye-bye.